This is the BFF Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things business finance. Each episode will feature an industry expert who will cover all the latest in technology, strategy, and optimizing the finance function for success. Hosted by Kate Wilson and Derek Chang, the BFF Podcast is brought to you by Tapalti, powering payables today and tomorrow. We're excited to welcome our BFF of the day, Paul Henderson. Paul is the global controller at Tapalti. As a seasoned financial leader, Paul has held various positions as the VP of Finance, Worldwide Revenue Controller, and Global Revenue Controller at various companies, including Yahoo. He is a certified public accountant, as well as a chartered financial analyst. His specialties include accounting operations, business strategy, treasury management, and revenue recognition. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks, Kate. It's great to be here. First, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get your start in finance? Yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of a, a long, odd story. But when I started college, I'd, I'd wanted to be a veterinarian. About my, my second year, I met organic chemistry. That had me do a complete retake of assessing what I wanted to do with my career. So I ended up spending some time working for my brother who had a small business at the time and got, got interested in the financial aspects of it. Had a conversation with my dad's CPA and, and he kind of turned me on to accounting and the possibility of working in public accounting. I kind of rejiggered my college efforts and focused on accounting and got out an accounting degree and went to work in public accounting in Dallas. So, Paul, I, I know this about <laughs> you, but I actually don't know the story. We know you raise goats. Uh, it's uh, miniature donkeys. <laughs> oh, they're miniature donkeys. How did that happen? And do you think that your science background actually has a role in your finance and accounting approach? I actually think the my involvement with animals post getting into finance and accounting probably has more to do with the need to get away from the day-to-day business stuff. And it's very relaxing to when we were going into the office to, to come home from the office after a long day and go, go get to spend some time with the donkeys and, and our dog. I guess from that standpoint, it's sort of an escape from the numbers and day-to-day business activities. Moving on to your current role, what do you enjoy most about being a global controller? I think the things, and, and I'd be a little bit more specific about it because it, it's really what I enjoy is this role in what I would call high growth, mid-stage companies. So they're pre-IPO, you know, they're, they're growing really fast, but they haven't really put the accounting and finance infrastructure in place yet. And the way I sort of characterize this is bringing order to chaos. So you come into an organization which is growing really fast, but they don't have any accounting processes or, or their systems are, you know, are second rate. So I like to come in and really start to put all that together for a company and think through what the company's strategy is and what systems we need in place to be able to support that uh, strategy and support high growth and be able to really scale the accounting organization. So what are some of those signs that a company should look at before they bring in a controller or when you think they're ready to bring in a controller? You know, the early stage, you just really need somebody to make sure your bookkeeping is done, which can be done on a variety of entry-level accounting systems, if you will. And they just need to kind of know the basics of accounting. But as companies start to really accelerate growth and you're adding 10 or 15 people a month, you know, you're starting to sign a lot of customer contracts. You really need to, to have the processes in place so that those things can run smoothly. And so once you start hitting that high growth mode, you really need to think about having a, a controller come in that can help you assess not just the processes, but also the, assist, the systems and, and make sure you have all the technology in place to be efficient. Do you think that finance plays a role in the growth of a company? 
Absolutely. Finance is one of the key inputs for a company's decision-making process. You know, if you don't have the systems and the processes in place to be able to get out accurate and timely financial information to feed into that decision-making process, then it's going to be really uh, hard for companies to execute on their strategy. So I think that's where where finance is, is really key in supporting that growth. I think second second to that is being able to to support that high growth through being able to handle deal velocity. So if, as companies start to sign more and more customers, you've got to have a really tight process around your ordering and your, your order to cash and your customer ordering process to, to make sure that those things get through the system as, as seamlessly as possible. So in terms of Topalti, how do you divide up the work between your team? What does it look like structurally? Yeah, so we're, we're still a fairly small team. We've got a, a small group that works on the what I would call the general accounting side. So they're more AP, payroll, the general ledger side of things, you know, responsible ultimately at the end of the day for closing the books and getting the financial statements issued at the end of each month. I have a individual that works on the revenue side, and we expect that team to grow a little bit over time, you know, handles everything from over, you know, monitoring the upfront ordering process with customers all the way through to the rev rack and making sure we've got that right. We have a team in Israel, which is handling the, the Israeli entities accounting. And then the team back here in the U.S. pulls it all together. Do you have a philosophy around your work? I do. You know, one of those is don't be afraid to take on the hard stuff. When you're coming into companies that need, you know, a lot of systems and processes put in place, that's, that's pretty hard stuff to, to do. But don't be afraid of it and be willing to, to take some risks and potentially fail. I think if you, you know, if you don't have that attitude, then you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. The second area that I really try to focus on or have a, have a philosophy around is really team. So it's really important to me that our team operate well together, that nobody's above doing anybody else's job. I mean, I myself kind of think, I think of myself as a player coach. So I really like to, to mentor the team and help them grow and you know, encourage them to take on the hard stuff. But I'm always there to support them and help them through the tougher parts of that. So failure in finance sounds really <laughs> scary. What, what does that mean exactly? It, it's more in taking chances on, on processes. I mean, that, that's part of the, you know, the art of finance, I guess, is knowing where it's appropriate to take risks and where you really need to be conservative and safe. And when it comes to the integrity and the numbers, that's where you've got to be really conservative and safe. But when you're, when you're trying out new processes about what's the most effective way for us to get you know, an order through the system or to get accounts payable process, don't be afraid to, to try new things or take a look at systems maybe that are a little bit on the edge and, and try them. So it's really more taking risk around process and not so much around the very important aspects of you know, financial control where you're really dealing with the numbers needing to be accurate and, and timely. In your opinion, what are the biggest challenges finance is facing today? The thing that came to my mind is that it's, I think it, it's really about talent and finding the right talent. You know, there's a lot of, particularly on the accounting side, there's a lot of people that can, you know, they can do the basic accounting, they can close the books, they can get the month end stuff done, but it's finding those people that can do that, but also can take the next step and really think about and analyze the financial results and help feed that into the company's decision-making process and be able to add some meaning and some color around them. Is that something that gets taught within the system or is that 
do you have to find individuals that have that kind of capability? In my experience is that you have to find individuals that that's just sort of in their makeup, where they're, they're curious, they're intellectually curious. So they'll take care of the accounting or the finance analysis, but they're not just you know, crunching the numbers. They're actually thinking about it as they're doing it and thinking, okay, well, what insights am I getting from this and, and what should I share or how can I share this with senior managers in the finance org in the company? Do you think that's the new trend in finance and accounting or that there will always be this kind of separation of people who are just used to working with numbers from an accounting standpoint and not so much kind of adding analysis in and insight? My experience, the, the mix has been pretty consistent over time. So you have you know a certain level of talent where they're really good at the following the instructions and closing the books. But then you have a few people that are just really intellectually curious. And so they always want to take it to the next level. You know, I do think as companies get more complex, the economy gets more complex, you're definitely going to need more people within an organization that can analyze and understand data and understand the accounting results and be able to help other managers in the company use that information to manage, you know, their areas of the company better. So in terms of the path for, say, you want to get to a controller level. Part of the insight, obviously, but the, in the management side, are there other qualities that a controller should have if you're aiming for that as your next career step? I'll kind of refer to a lot of the qualities I look for when I hire people. And I think those are, those are the qualities that you'll want to, that I think the, the good controllers will have. So you'll, you obviously have to be interested in the accounting side and the structure that provides, but you also have to be comfortable with some of the, the more judgmental areas of accounting. You have to be a really good problem solver. The technical aspects of accounting can be taught, but you know, I find that problem solving ability is something that people it's not something that really can be taught very well. You've either, you know, got that that knack for being able to peel the the layers of an onion back to get to the source of a, of an issue and come up with a solution or a better way of doing things. And to piggyback off of that, how do you choose technology for financial operations? Yes. Yeah, so the, the first step is when I come in is look at what the company's needs are, what's working well, what's not working well, and look at any special requirements. You know, if there's any sort of regulatory reporting that, that has to be done that's outside of a normal financial, you know, financial reporting and see if there's any special systems needs there. I have a pretty good idea of the, the key technology players in, in finance, but I always like to bounce ideas off of or go to my network and talk to those folks about what they're, what they're seeing, what they're using. You know, I think in today's day and age, it's got to be a cloud system. You know, I also tend to take the approach of trying to have as much of an integrated system as possible. So when you buy an ERP, you want to try to have, try to run as much activity through that ERP as you can. So all your AP, all your AR, your RevRec, all of those things. But unfortunately, with ERPs, they're, they're usually more generally designed. And so they don't handle some of the specifics that you would, you know, you might need as a company. So what you end up doing is putting together you know, more of a best of breed type type strategy. So you'll have, you know, your ERP, which is good at the basic accounting stuff, but then you might need to get a billing system depending on your billing needs that can handle complex contract configurations, things like that. On the AP side, you know, having a, you know, a tool like, like Topalti that allows us to use our, run our AP process through a tool that's specifically made for that and then integrate it with our ERP, that works great. You know, employee expenses, ERPs tend to be 
clunky to use for things like employee expense reporting. So there's other tools out there that are much better and user-friendly for the employee. You know, when, you, when you're thinking through things like that, it's thinking about the users. If it's finance people, you know, you're going to take one approach. If, you're, if it's a tool that's going to be used, used widely throughout the organization, you want to really have, you know, have that other user base in mind and is going to be something that, that's going to be adoptable by them. Do you have a order of priorities and how do you kind of establish that? Well, the, fir- the first thing I look at is the accounting system. And is that going to meet the company's long-term needs? And then you start to look for other pain points. When I start thinking about pain points, I look at, well, why does it take us 30 days to close the books? And you start figuring out where those pain points are. And then usually you can find a, a system or a technology that can help you alleviate that pain point. And then over time, you shorten your, your close process down to more acceptable level. You talked about your professional network using that as a kind of sounding board for ideas. How do you develop that and who's in that? We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, some work philosophies. And I think one that I didn't mention then, but but I think it plays into your question, Derek, is building relationships over time. So, you know, it's not something I necessarily went out with a, a goal in mind, say, hey, I need to build a big network. It's just something that happened over time by building relationships in my, you know, in my various roles and, and positions and really, you know, just working well with everybody. And over time, you build those relationships and those friendships. And then, you know, you need to nurture them over time and stay in, stay in contact with people and sharing work experiences and asking them for advice on technology or hiring or how do they think about what skills are needed in today's accounting and finance orgs. It's building it as part of, part of your career development and building good relationships and then nurturing them over time. And what does success look like for a finance team? For me, and what I look for and where I try to, to move our organization, when I come into companies, we're basically just trying to get the day-to-day transactional processing done. So that's, that's kind of where you're starting from. And so the idea is you get those basics down, you start getting your clothes done more timely. But the ultimate end result and where, where I think you measure success for a finance organization is when you're getting to that, you're, you're able to provide these insights into the financial performance of the company. And you're moving from from just sort of getting the books closed and transactional processing to actually being embedded with the business. You know, you're in with operations, other parts of the organization to really help them use the the financial results as a as a guide in, in driving their business. So I imagine part of that is trying to automate as much of the kind of manual effort so you have time to make those insights. What are the biggest manual pains that you're still trying to solve now? In my current role, the things we're looking at right now are tools to help us manage our close process. And this is where I talked a little bit earlier about we start to measure how we're doing in our close and find out what areas are causing us to you know, have a longer than what I would expect monthly close process. We're implementing a tool to help with that. We're also looking at how we improve controls around our purchasing process. Today, we don't really have a pre-request, at least a formalized pre-request to spend money. So we're looking at a a PO PO system and process to help facilitate that. The other piece of technology that we're looking at today for our company is equity management. So being able to to more effectively and and in a more automated fashion handle our our stock option plans and, and equity plans for employees. And Kate and I love to hear that. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I mean, I think the idea was, you know, with, with something like that, where it does impact the general employee base, we're really looking for something that's easy to use that employees can access and kind of see where they're at in terms of their option holdings and things like that. So it's really thinking about it from a service standpoint, being able to provide a good service to the employee base. Do you think that finance needs a culture? You know, it should be part of the company's culture, but I think, you know, as a finance leader, you can help shape that. I've always kind of been, you know, let's kind of set the example, you know, not necessarily a big jump on the table and pound my fist about we've got to have this kind of a culture, but it's really just setting the culture within my team. And hopefully that plays into the rest of the culture with the company. Finance, people are known for putting in a lot of hours and working pretty hard. I think that's all great. I think it's also good from a finance perspective to bring a sense of humor to your team. It's one of the things I always like to do is just keep it light. We're doing finance for a growing company and there's lots of people depending on us, but that doesn't mean we can't have fun doing it, you know, and have a little humor and and enjoy each other's company. In addition to the miniature donkeys, are there (laughs) any other personal missions that you're passionate about? Yeah. So the other thing that I'm involved in also has to do with animals. So that's how I get my my animal fix. But I'm the treasurer for a uh, dog rescue organization called Sierra Pacific Great Pyrenees Rescue. It's a specific breed of dog that's known for its herd protecting characteristics. So they're known for, for guarding sheep and goats. And I've been pretty involved with that organization for about seven years. I've gotten three rescue dogs from them and they've all been, been awesome. So that, that's kind of what I've done more on the personal front. So what is it about animals that <laughs> get your goat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sure. I just like, just, there's a calming, a calmness to them. They're just thinking and living right in that moment. For me, that's just, you know, it kind of lets me do that too. Instead of, you know, thinking about what I've got to do tomorrow or the next day or the next week, you know, all the pressures of work and trying to perform there, just spending some time with whether it's my dog or whether it's the donkeys and just getting to get that calmness back in, back in my life, especially towards the end of the day. And you can go to bed and sleep well at night. And now for our last question, do you have any advice for our business finance friends? Yeah, so I'll kind of go back to some of the things I said earlier about being really not being afraid to take on the hard stuff and not being, you know, not being afraid to fail and have fun and keep things kind of light. You know, there's lots of lots of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. So we, we need a little bit more, more humor and just try to enjoy the moment that you're in. Do you think that's easier if you take away some of the more arduous processes that you can kind of relax a bit within accounting, within finance? You've solved some of the more mechanical things, and then you are able to then express some of the more human side of finance. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I mean that's a really good point. A lot of areas in finance and accounting can be pretty tedious, and there's a lot of opportunity to automate those things. And when you do that, it does two things. One, it does let people relax a little bit because a controller, I'm never completely relaxed because there's so much responsibility to make sure that you know, the numbers are accurate. So there's always obviously a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure around that. But having all the the detailed, tedious things taken care of in an automated fashion certainly helps you do that. I think the second thing that it helps with is it, it allows people to get more satisfaction out of their job. If they're not having to do the remedial things, it can actually spend more time thinking about the results and being able to contribute to the decision-making process of the company. I think that's, those are all things that help people relax a little bit more in their job. I recall a conversation you and I had about when technology becomes a little bit too controlling, 
and that as a controller, you actually want to maintain a certain amount of control. What is the tipping point where you say, actually, that's too much technology and uh, (laughs) you want to pull back a little bit? Especially when you're dealing with relatively young, fast-growing companies, you don't want to put so much process and control in place that you stifle the business. It's keeping that delicate balance of, you know, hey, we've got to have the right processes in place to make sure that that what what we're reporting in the financials is accurate. But you also want to want to use technologies that actually make it easier for people, especially outside of the accounting team, to operate in a controlled environment without really realizing that that's what they're doing. So I think it's, you know, that does kind of go back to the, the question about, about choosing technology and that that's one of the, one of the areas you want to look at. So should we be expecting the Tipulti finance team to be hosting a comedy night anytime soon? <laughs> yeah, we probably got one person on the, on the team that could handle that, but it's not me. I'm not, I like to have a good sense of humor, but I'm certainly not good for stand-up comedy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Paul. We enjoyed having you on the show today. For all our listeners, be sure to tune in next time for a new episode of the BFF podcast. Thanks for joining your BFFs. Subscribe to the Business Finance Friends podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever podcasts live. If you have any feedback or would like to participate in our podcast series, email us at bffs at